You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man. And if you want to get your money's worth, stay right here because you're listening to knockouts and three counts. And remember, everybody's got a price and a million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> This is Don West here, and I'm telling you, knockouts and three counts is the podcast, baby. Make sure that's the one you check out, because, buddy, like me, they're the real deal, baby. This is Jake the Snake Roberts. Just let me know. You need to listen to knockouts and three counts, or you'll see that damn snake again. This is the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, a.k.a. Shane T, boy. The baddest champion you've ever seen, boy. And you're listening to Knockouts and Three Count Count. What up, though, everybody? This is Kyle, and you are back watching, listening. However the fuck you're consuming this, you're back watching Knockouts and Three Counts. And, hey, we thank you for that. Hey, if you've been paying attention on any of our social media, which you should be, at KO3CPod on Twitter and Instagram, or if you're watching this live on Facebook, you know you can find us here at Knockouts and Three Counts Podcast. You would know that, you know, tonight's episode might get a little bit interesting because we've got a fucking mercenary on with us. We've got the mercenary himself, Mr. Garrison Creed. How the fuck you doing, brother man? I'm doing outstanding tonight. Uh, I just had myself a nice workout, did a little bit of intel research, a little bit of recon, and uh, I'm just, I'm feeling wonderful at the moment. All right, well, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and all that good stuff. Uh, real easy. Everything's under the, the term Garrison Creed, G-A-R-R-I-S-A-O-N-C-R-E-E-D, just the way it's spelled. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, so like you said before we were going on the air, man, we've been uh, we've been following you for a little bit here. Um, first time I kind of got wind of what you were doing is around uh, the Indie Wrestling Expo that went down last year. As if any of you guys were there, you guys know and have been following us for a minute, you can check out our interview in the top right corner with the Queen of Bad Street, the beautiful Miss Miranda Gordy. Uh, so you've got quite the weekend coming up ahead of you next weekend in Texas. Um, we're going to be there live for Pele Pro Wrestling, and you've also got a few other dates. So, first of all, as we start 2021, you're already off to a hot start. Um, how much, if any, has this pandemic and all the loss or lack of bookings, how's that affected a mercenary like yourself? I uh, really, all it did is uh, it made travel a lot more difficult, uh, planning a little bit more difficult. So, I had to uh, look at my dates, make a couple of phone calls, adjust fire as necessary and uh, looking for other different places to operate. Um, so my normal locations were uh, a good chunk of them are here in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and I was breaking out into Illinois. Well, Minnesota has been shut down uh, since March. They haven't even tried to reopen. Illinois has, but it's been very iffy going back and forth. And Wisconsin has been, but for the, uh, for the majority of the wrestling community has been pretty cautious. So there hasn't been a lot of large shows going on. Uh, so I've been having to go outside, um, outside my comfort zone. Oh. I've been having to find some other things, uh, which led me going down to uh, uh, heading down to Texas and just seeing what the scene was down there. 
and even so going so far as uh, doing the, the the combine for OVW just uh, last October. That was something I wanted to talk about. Uh, another past guest of our show uh, was there at that combine, Mr. Isaiah Brunner. Um, so tell me a little bit about that OBW. I said, yeah, I did. I was right. OBW combine. Tell me about that. So is it like an NFL combine? How much different is a wrestling combine than what you would see maybe and what we see with the NFL combines and all that kind of stuff? What all went into it? Did they have promo classes? I've never never actually been in an NFL combine. Uh, you know, I'm not really in particular in that sport, but I imagine it was very similar. Uh, um, they had a performance center environment. Uh, they tested your ability with agility drills, memory drills. Uh, they had a few endurance drills, strength, of course, bench press, squat, pull-ups. Uh, it was an all-day affair, um, and you had some guys that, you know, they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. And as soon as I walked in the door, I was there uh, ready to conduct business and show you, hey, uh, I'm here for a spot. You're either going to move somebody and bring me in, or you're going to create that spot for me because um, I'm here and I'm ready to show up. So your mindset with, you mentioned before, again, another thing I, I noticed when we were looking into you uh, ahead of this, this show is your military background. Um, tell me a little bit about how much that helps you mindset wise in the wrestling world. Because like you said, you went into a combine, you know, you went into a combine setting with the, with the mindset, you're going to either give me a spot or I'm taking somebody's spot. So tell me a little bit about where that comes from and you know, how much does that help you in the wrestling game? Well, I, it, it, when you're in the service and, uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. I was infantry. Um, so the training for that, you know, for that environment, because you are going to be, you're the movement to contact, you're the con- cannon fodder, you're the front line. Uh, if bullets are going to fly, you're either going to catch them or, sh- or throw them right back. Uh, so you got to be ready for that. You can't have this oh shit, go run and hide with your tail between your legs mentality. You got to be goal oriented, uh, mission focused. And uh, you keep striving for that until that goal is achieved. And um, it's actually uh, transitioning from the military field, uh, either uh, commercial or government uh, into the civilian life. I've actually had issues turning that off. I can't. Um so for a while I was, uh, you know, I was going to school, but I was, uh, still very highly involved in different athletics and different martial arts. And I just couldn't turn off. I didn't have something, uh, a goal at hand. Uh, I was just gr- going crazy and I couldn't sleep. And so, uh, so once I, d- I discovered professional wrestling and got into it, it was from the day one, bam, we're off to the races. Uh, so now and I didn't think I was going to be anywhere near where at the level I'm at now, uh, you know, traveling out of state, traveling out of country, uh, looking at, at traveling more countries once this pandemic goes away. Damn it. Um, I hear that. But uh, I, I thought I was going to be working like once or twice a month, maybe here in a local bar or something like that. Uh, but now that I have more uh, lofty goals to uh, to go on, you know, I, I got TV time coming on up. I want to be seen nationally and internationally. I want to be, uh, looked at as a player in the, in the, in the large eyes of things. Um, that's just driving me even more. So, I mean, that's my mission. That's my, uh, my goal to attain is that to have that impact to become a guy that per larger promotions are calling to bring on in and not the one that has to send out emails and calls all the time, uh, practically begging for that job. No, I want, I want them to create it for me to come and fill. 
I can completely relate with that because we're on that same grind trying to grow this year podcast, um, which brings me to a great point. Another one that you mentioned that you're starting to uh, broaden and expand your horizons. Uh, another place that if I'm not mistaken, that we saw you do your thing at in 2019 what or no 2020 excuse me what man this 2020 has got me all messed up bro good <laughs> god i don't know if it's done that to a mercenary like yourself but for me it's got me mind fucked but what i was gonna say is if i'm not mistaken you made your debut doing your thing with warrior wrestling this year as well uh yes i got on uh i got on the show twice for uh for them um having a debut match uh with the young jordan cross uh who became a casualty in my wake uh, and then going on over in a uh, pre-show Royal Rumble uh, filled with uh, you know, other young talent, hungry, wanting wanting to make their impact on things. And, well, sorry, that was my day. Hey, I completely respect it. I bring that up because we made our way down to Warrior Wrestling for one of the three nights of their stadium series as past guest of our show, Sam Adonis, who will also be on this Pele Pro Wrestling show Coming to you January 14th. If you're in the Texas area, make sure you're there because knockouts and three counts will be there as well. Um, so going into that, we were there, we went down there, Kevin and I, and we got to actually interview a fucking machine down there named Brian Cage, which you can check out there in the corner. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, this is something that Corey, when he gets in here, will have plenty to ask you about. So you mentioned that you're on your way up, you're really starting to get a look from more um more higher known indies and things of that nature, whether it be OVW, Warrior Wrestling, all those things. What do you think it was for you that's kind of making it, giving you that break to kind of bring you up out of that? Because that's something Corey likes to ask a lot about because he's an MMA guy. So to see guys like you who are kind of on your rise, the same as some of these guys we got on the regional scene, what do you think it was for you that kind of really started to break that mold for you that now you're starting to get some of these bigger bookings? Um. Honestly, I think it was just showing up because uh, there was a fair amount of these places that they may have heard of me. They may not have heard of me. But when I showed up and went, hey, I have my gear in the van. I see you need help setting up the ring. Uh, do you need help setting up tables, seats, whatnot? I'm a good hand. Just showing up to do that has done a large part of it. Um, I mean, I'm, I've upped my, uh, my personal routine, my gym routine, my diet. I've adjusted fire with that, uh, multiple times now to kind of like just enhance my own look to, uh, give what I'm hoping is a different, a different wrestling product to these different places. Uh, I'm hoping that that's being taken considered too, uh, as a veteran. Um, and I've known plenty of other veterans that are in the business too. I'm not out there in my um, my old army fatigues. Uh, I mean, I did wear my own beret for a while, but really that thing's not the most comfortable thing to wear. So I'm glad <laughs> I got rid of it. Um, it, it. I'm not, I'm not your traditional soldier coming on out. And I'm hoping that that's another part of it that they're looking at too. Is like, Hey, yeah, this guy's a soldier. This guy served our country and all that, but there's this weird little sliver of darkness in him. That's a little different. And once you get to know me, um, I'm not your um, your garden variety poster boy, head of the uh, Veterans Day parade, waving the red, white, and blue. I just want to serve my country because I wanted some of the benefits and the worldly experiences. I really don't consider myself a patriot, so maybe being in a different um, in a different light as a combat veteran, not so much all like trying to to shove the red, white, and blue down people's throats, but showing, hey, no, I went and did a job like anybody else goes and applies for. 
uh, you know, at a local factory or anything in that grinding day in and day out. I just happened to have done it for five years for the country. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe that's part of the reason why they're taking notice. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, man, there's no there's no substitute for hard work. And that's something that we've seen ourselves like uh, full disclosure. So for us, 2019 was really our biggest year um, as a show. And two of the things that made that the biggest year for us were clear, just purely just shooting a shot in the dark. Um, we interviewed Dave Silva, the guy who does a lot of the graphics for Conrad's podcasts and things like that. Okay. And uh, Oh, shit. He's done hanging doors. The long-haired motherfuckers are here. It's Corey. How you doing, brother man? We appreciate oh, having you in. I appreciate being here after a day like that, my friend. Let's hey. just jump back. Jump back to right whatever the hell you were doing, because it's way better than whatever the hell I did all day. I can promise you. Guys. <laughs> so I was just kind of comparing the grinds with our guest here. I was telling him, you know, some of our biggest things that we've gotten to do and some of our biggest interviews came from going to things like StarCast, where I went out. I was the only one from our show that was able to be able to go out there. We went out there completely solo and DDP sitting over here and goes, well, so uh, you guys are a podcast. So uh you gonna interview me, bro? And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> so I totally Hold can really fuck the microphone is the best talking. thing that you can do. Corey, we were just getting into something that you have talked about quite a lot here on the show. You know, you have mentioned that seeing some of the grind that these wrestlers go through on their way up, you know, a lot of the way we're seeing some of these regional fighters that we interview, we got a little bit into some of the things that helped Mr. Creed kind of bust his way through, you know, through some of these ceilings here and starting to get on some of these bigger indies. Uh, You know, obviously he's be making and bringing the noise in texas okay mm-hmm. i gotta admit this is my first time to texas our co-host devin has moved down there to texas so we're going to be linking up with him you'll get to meet him firsthand when we get down there so i'm really looking forward to this weekend but first order of business for you you talked about you know some of your military background we talked some about you know some of the things that you were doing in there being infantry you're going into a triple threat match you've got not one but two opponents how does that change your game plan what are your thoughts on this match what are the mercenaries got to bring more ammunition because you can only pump one body full of so much lead um i like that answer the way that i'm looking at it is here we got uh we have this jason kid we have the local cowboy now Knowing a couple of folks down in Texas and coming on down, they're 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 a particular breed of uh, straightforward, hard hitting action types, and I'm gonna guess that this kid's about the same way. So I ain't gonna take anything back from him, but I'm probably gonna hit him a lot harder than he's gonna hit me. Um, as for AJZ coming right out of Ohio Valley, which is the place that I'm uh, very very strongly uh, researching and reconning right now, I almost kind of feel like this is a little bit of a come up and said i'm getting a little i'm getting looked at myself um so if that's if that's the case if he's coming on out to not only give me a challenge but to maybe even check me out a little bit well that's going to give me every reason to unload the clip unload the clip and let him see everything that i got uh so the question is it's not really that are they am i going to be able to handle them it's are they going to be able to handle me I like, that's what I like to hear. See, now this has given me all the more reason to get down to Texas and uh, see you catch a couple of bodies. 
All right. I want to take it a little bit back first. Okay. So we talked about what you've got coming on next week. We mentioned how, you know, you're, you know, you had your military background and how you've turned wrestler. Were you a wrestling fan as a kid? Like, did you grow up watching wrestling or was it something you found later in life? Uh, if both, um, always was a fan. Um, I, I've, I've been on record of, uh, probably my first memory was the, uh, the epic body slam, uh, Hulk Hogan and Andre the giant. Um, so I, I watched it through that, but what really, uh, solidified it, uh, was the Monday night wars. And I was a WCW guy. Uh, but not, I mean, yeah, Hogan was there, Savage and Flair. But those weren't the ones that captivated me. They may have brought in all the other audience, but what kept me there and watching it was the uh, the Chris Jericho's, the Eddie Guerrero's, the Rey Mysterio's, Psychosis. I mean, these guys that they're not as well known. Dean Malenko can't forget them. He's a you've interviewed Dean as well. Dean's Hmm. I I wish I could meet him. He's a he's a he's an awesome fella. He's got really dry humor, dude. But anyway, these are the guys that are like, they're captivating me because now not only are they just, I mean, they're going out there and they're putting their blood, sweat and tears into every match, but they're going out and they're, they're, they're hitting it hard, making that name for themselves because they know who they're competing with at the top of the card. And they want to make sure that people are coming on in to specifically to see them, you know, jerk that curtain or at the mid card level as well. So that's what kept me going to it. So when I start seeing a couple of these guys gravitate towards the WWE, it was even more exciting because even back then it was almost like draft day when they would jump sides, you know, seeing Jericho go to one side and whatnot. Um, but then when I graduated school um, and went off into the service, I really didn't have access to professional wrestling or anything anymore. Uh, the real world called my ass, if you want to say that. Um, so that's what happens. I just, it, it dropped off my, my radar completely. I kind of, in my mind, I call that the black hole of professional wrestling. And that was right around 2003. You know what happened right around 2003, 2004? No. Ring of Honor. Okay. I didn't start watching wrestling again until when I started training for it myself in 2016. Okay. I missed the damn near the entirety of the independent wrestling revolution. So what I'm going at, and I'll tell you, my, my training experience about less than 20 minutes from where I live right now is a, an old hillbilly. I, I can't tell you all the, all the things okay. now. <laughs> I don't want to give away the hiding spot. It's all good. But anyway, <laughs> it's an old hillbilly who's got a hobby farm with a wrestling ring in his barn <laughs> where I trained at. This thing wasn't heated, and I started my training in September. That was one hell of a harsh winter. You want to get warm? You worked. So anyway, I'm going on out there. I'm about 225 pounds, both sides of Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit. That's how I have to work. And I'm getting my ass torn into me day in and day out. Work your size, work your size, work your size. Mofo, I am. (laughs) You insult off the top. What the hell are you doing? So then in uh, 2017, when I started doing my first matches, you know, and I'm seeing the size of the lot, you know, the size of the guys in the locker rooms. Well, gee, that I wasn't expecting their locker room to be full of 150 pound skinny ass kids. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> <I had. laughs> um, 
so now I had to, I had to completely rethink my uh, my mentality. So I'm like, well, here I am. I got you know a whole loads of martial arts training, MMA experience, live combat in the field training. I'm gonna do what I did then, and just you know put them in hurt locks, throw them around, tear their heads off. So you brought up. An interesting point. Okay, so as I mentioned to you when we were talking about having you come on the show, our show also covers MMA and boxing. For any of you guys that follow any of that stuff, we've got interviews with people from UFC, Bellator, and the like. So you mentioned MMA background. You mentioned martial arts training. Tell me a little bit more about that. How extensive are we going? Is it something you were doing before you got in the military? And do you still train now? Um. During military, uh, when I was in in service, uh, they were offering uh, combatives uh, combatives classes. Uh, I'm, I was combat, uh, certified levels one, two, and three. That's uh, all the way up to hand to hand weapons. So we're talking knives. Um, but that, a lot of that's based on a uh, Hoist Gracie style jujitsu. Oh, um, and you could throw in a little Bruce Lee in there too. But uh, Bruce Lee never really got to the ground game or anything before he uh, sadly passed away. Uh, I also lived in South Korea for a year. So while I was over there and it's not really a fighting style, it is more considered an art or a dance. Um, I, I, I became fairly proficient in Taekwondo, um, came back stateside, uh, after my service and all that. Oh, I also was, um, just for shits and kicks while we were deployed and to keep ourselves in shape, we boxed, um, we got we we got somebody who actually kept us with a full supply of boxing gloves and mouthpieces, and we go and beat the shit out of each other every Monday night. Um, so you know I got that under my belt. Uh, high school style, I was a, I was wrestling in middle school and high school, so that's under my belt as well. Uh, when I came back and was going to college, I was still trying to keep you know find other things to keep me involved. So I uh, de-learned everything and uh, started my uh, started my game learn, learning karate. Uh, got into a couple of MMA cages, um, lacklustered. Um, but I did uh, what's called pancreation, which is another Gracie style, uh, MMA style. And I was, uh, I, fair, I was fairly proficient at that, um, doing that quite often. Just, you know, it's just more of something to do in my spare time. Um, and then also uh, nearby, I found a, uh, a local third degree black belt in Apkido. Uh, so I started uh, started up training with him, just showing up and being like, hey, here's some gloves. I got my mouthpiece. Let's go. And uh, kind of just, uh, you know, just right there training, on, on, you know, in the fight, uh, learning. And it's it, it's something I can I still continue to do. I got a couple of MMA guys here locally that occasionally I'll go and we got we know some place where they got some mats or some cages. out, and we'll just just go and throw it on for a little bit just to see if, uh, you know, I'm still sharp. Hey man, if you're still training jujitsu, maybe we'll have to uh, tangle it up when we get to Texas. <laughs> hey man, 150 pounds? Oh, you ain't gonna hoist Gracie me, that's for sure. Hey, I didn't say I didn't say I needed to hoist Gracie anybody. I ain't scared. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I ain't scared, man. I've had my ass whooped from the guys from American Top Team in Florida, clear down here to Michigan. It can't be no worse than the ass whoopings I already got. hey man you said it yourself okay so you're talking about little guys fighting dude my first boxing fight that i took at 13 years old i fought at 120 and then i fought at 125 after that and then uh like i said man i was always the small guy everybody was always bigger than me so i had to 
I had to quickly figure out either you're going to learn how to fight or you're going to get your ass whooped. You know, I, it's kind of funny. I've always, uh, it's actually a kind of a life philosophical thing about me. You really don't know who you are um, if you haven't had the shit kicked out of you. Agreed. I mean, it, it's incredibly humbling. Uh, one of those MMA fights I had, um, I fought at heavyweight. Oh shit! I weighed 218 pounds with my with my clothes on when I weighed it. He <laughs> weighed he weighed 264 bare ass. Um, oh shit! I still gave him a solid two rounds before the ref had to call it because yeah, I was still sw- I was uh, I was out yeah. on my back, but I was still swinging. <laughs> yeah, you were fighting, but you were banged up, man. So, do you watch UFC much now? Uh, I haven't gotten into it. Uh, not since uh, Vitor Belfort and Chuck Liddell were still around. So okay. I've kind of fallen off for a bit. Hell, Vitor's still around, and Vitor's been making his foray into wrestling. Did you see that? Where is he now? He showed up. Uh, he came out to the ring with uh, Mike Tyson and them on AEW. He came out with him. He came out with Henry Cejudo. He came out with, uh, who else? Anthony Johnson came out with them. Uh yeah, I thought he'd be retired somewhere, sitting out on a beach with a fruity drink in his hand. Well, technically signed to Bellator, isn't he, Corey? No, one championship. Or no, one, one yeah. championship. That's it. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So hey, man, TRT Vitor is running wild. That's how I was going to say. He, uh, he went Vitor overseas so that he wild. could get a... He could get his hands on those supplements again, and he's looking nice and juicy. He's he's ready to get back in that fucking cage. I mean, he's hey, posting on his Instagram. He's all kinds of old school Vitor jacked up, and it's. I, I wonder who they're going to match up with him. I I feel bad for whoever it is, unless it's somebody significantly younger or higher skilled. But there isn't much of that left. So. Well, no. I, from what I remember, he was always highly skilled, and he had. Yep. I, He's quick gas for days. Yeah. So, so I think that's a perfect I, question for you being both sides. Go ahead, Corey, finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he's something like 43 and he's still looking like that. So it, it'll, it'll be like 43, bro. It'll be very, it'll be very impressive to see what he, what kind of speed and skills he maintains through such a long layoff and okay, getting back on the, uh, getting back on the train it'll be excited to see if we get old uh, vitor or not okay but i'll pose this question to both of you though you mentioned that he's fighting in one fc do you think that uh his skills are just going to be able to overpower the lack of name power that they have over there in one fc or do you think he's gonna father time's gonna catch his ass so kyle you know this as well as i do uh i should i say better than i do even Every single MMA gym out there has got some killers in it, right? Right. So just because you might not know a bunch of these guys at 1FC, they've earned their way to that spot one way or another. Sure. Um, I'm not saying they're scrubs, but there's levels to this shit. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But that being said, that's why I, I posed the the statement I did with the matchup, because it's that's the interesting thing. Who are, who Who do they put them against? It's what really defines the matchup in my eyes, essentially. Mr. Creed, what are your thoughts? Since you said you were a Vitor fan, what are your thoughts on him still foraying over there in one FC? Well, really, I don't think age is uh, age is going to be a factor. Uh, I could say yep. that one uh, myself again, not telling you. Um, <laughs> 
But at the same time, I mean, I would think it would be more uh, based off of what our Vitor's goals are. You know, is he uh, vying for any championships or is he fighting for, you know, just the pot, you know, just to make some money? Uh, yeah. So if he's fighting for championships, he's got a ranking system that he's going to go and he's got some targets on that to, you know, so he can clear the path to number one. Um, but then again, you know, if he's just there to collect the pot, you know, I, I'm a name. You're going to put me on the card. I'm going to make so much money put me in with Joe Schmo, whoever the heck who thinks they can take out, you know, Mr. Famous over here. So I mean, I think it comes down to what his goals are. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a real fair point. And if I'm not mistaken, I think his plan is a couple one-offs. I think it's like a, a three fight deal or something like that. So it's not supposed to be like, like with you said, a grind. There's already established legacy. I mean, what's another championship going to do? Uh, exactly. His name is bigger than a belt. Well, and even you could very well argue because of name value, like Kyle was saying with 1FC, you could very well argue if he does go in and look very impressive in his first fight and get the win, who's to say he doesn't go and fight their their champ, Brandon Vera? You know, he's right. fighting for 205, and yeah, that's a winnable yeah. fight. That's an absolutely yeah, well, winnable fight. Win- winnable fight. I mean, that's also – that's the main event. That's, that's asses yeah. and seats and ticket sales. Mm-hmm. I kind of see this being something like a similar situation kind of like to what we're seeing now in the UFC with Michael Chandler. I say yeah. that because with Vitor's established name, and rightfully so, it's the same as I'll use this in a wrestling sense. Okay, so you had all the legends come back yesterday on Raw. They ain't going to come there and just do – I mean, Bubba Ray talked about this on Busted Open the other day. He said, dude – WWE called me. I forgot when he said it was. They called him for them to come back. And his first question was, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think it's the same kind of situation with a Vitor. If he's going to put his body through all that to fight, you better have a damn good matchup or a fight that makes sense or at least a fight that interests him. Or I don't yep. even think you're going to see him get in there. And I think that's the same thing that we're seeing with the Michael Chandler situation now because, yeah, you can say he's a new guy to the UFC, but in my opinion, with his prior um, resume in Bellator and things like that, that guy comes in and I would not be shocked in the least if he told Dana, look, I want I want to do this fight. You know, I want to come over here to the UFC, but I'm not fighting unless you're putting me against quality. I'm either yeah. fighting quality talent or I'm staying where I'm at because you well, know he's getting paid in Bellator. Well, Chandler, all right, so Chandler came out and did a big thing in the media when he first got signed, stating that that's why he hadn't actually signed a fight initially was because of the fact he was only willing to fight somebody in the top five, and he felt as though the UFC had kind of agreed based upon, like you said, the fact of what he was getting paid compared to everybody else. You know, He, like you said, came in with the name value, came in with um, shown talent, shown abilities and the fact that he's got experience doing it. It's just like if anybody goes to get a job at my work, anybody's work, you've got experience and you can show that you've got certificates doing it. Hey, you get a couple extra bucks, you know, that's how it goes. Um, But he came out, he was very active in media saying that he wasn't going to fight somebody unless they were top five. Um, Dan, Dan Hooker, who he's now slated and confirmed to fight dog fight is is number six um incredible fight but i do think that was a big uh a big thing that kind of held this fight from being made up for so long um is the fact that even though it's only one number slot 
if, if that's what. Yeah. I think with this one, this is one where I think the reason why they were able to make this fight happen is because Chandler, you know, ultimately, like you said, he is outside the top five. But like you said, Hooker has all that buzz from that. Did you see the fight, Garrison, of the fight between him and Poirier from last year? Probably not. Uh, I mean, please do me a favor and go look that up when we get off the get off the air. It'll get your mercenary yep. juices. That's one of the best fights <laughs> that I've watched. Uh, if you check out our 2020 awards for knockouts and three counts, that was the one that I said was fight of the year. Well, yep. since we're talking about you know current things and current fights and all those things, let's switch it back a little bit to the wrestling side. So. How much wrestling are you watching with all of us being home in a pandemic? And if so, are there anybody that's going on nowadays that you like to watch to try to either see things from their style or somebody you got your eye on, somebody you like to watch? Well, I mean, I'm, I got access to the network. So, I mean, I got all a plethora of library to go through. And I always, uh, you know, just because I was a huge fan, I always like going back and watching any Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero match, Halloween Havoc 97. Yes, sir. Um, uh, And I can't do that. I will never even attempt to do half a court. I won't even touch that match with a 10-foot pole, but I'll watch it. Um, But I also like to go back and I like to watch a lot of Chris Benoit, what he did. Uh, anything with Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle, I mean, it was legitimate, uh, hard hitting. Uh, you can feel every chop. Um, you know, kind of like so classics instance. Uh, I like to emulate as much of that as I can. Um, Brock Lesnar. Well, I mean, if you could throw a guy, you already know what Brock Lesnar does. Uh, nowadays, like, what am I trying to keep up with now, uh, business wise and what the product is? Because I look at I look at all the different varieties of styles of wrestling. It's not just professional wrestling as a big ball thrown together. Professional wrestling provides different products. You got what AEW has put out there. WWE can even be broken down to what SmackDown and Raw and NXT are putting out there. Uh, you got other companies like MLW. I like to pay attention to them because they like to bring that, that, that combat style. And then other... Um, uh, other indie feds now that now that I've been around, I know some of the guys that are out there, and I try to keep up with uh, uh, with my friends and how they are up. And uh, you know, like why I, I'm getting a kick now out of watching AEW Dark and seeing guys that I've been in the ring with on there, and I'm just like, go get it, brother. Um, but as for styles, uh, like I said, I like to throw in a little bit of Brock Lesnar because I mean, you you run into Brock Lesnar at a bar and piss him off. You're going to have a fight. Well, he, sorry, when he's in, in WWE ring, it kind of looks like the same thing. Yep. Um, yep. I like watching uh, Karrion Cross. Uh, I mean, that guy, is, that guy is another beef. Okay. Um, who else do we got there now? Uh, Cameron Grimes, you know, kind of like uh, the, uh, the, chicken, the chicken shit guy that can come on in and take his pop shots. Uh, Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is gold. <laughs> oh. Dexter Loomis is gold, and he doesn't even have to crack a smile. Um, Again, see, I feel like you and I have a lot of the same um, style as far as the type of stuff we like to watch. Another thing I caught myself watching the other day, which I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you're probably a fan of too. I watched Wrestle Kingdom the other day. Man, I love what I see over there. I love the hard-hitting stuff. Um, You brought up Brock Lesnar. 
Here's a fun little side story. I was there. Ring the bell. There's no bell for me to ring because we're not in the studio. But I was there when Brock Lesnar won the title from Randy Couture. Nice. You talk about a punch that didn't look like it hit the man. Like, I swear it to you. Dude, it doesn't have to. It, but, dude, it just grazed him. If you watched the fight back, even in a slow-mo, he hit him, and the punch went like this off the top. It didn't even hit him flush. And, and Randy was gone. And if I, if I remember right, Brock Lesnar had cut damn near 30 pounds, something like that. He was he, he was walking. He was a walking 310. He yep. had to cut down to 275. And here's yep. Randy Couture coming on into that match at 220. Yeah. There was a huge weight disadvantage in that one. I mean, Randy Couture can wrestle his ass off, but now he's going in there. He's going on in there with a farm tractor. It, it sounds kind of familiar to a story that I was just hearing a little while ago, you know, 220 against a full-fledged heavyweight. Uh, but uh, that being said, um, it's it's a, when you kind of see it when um, – when you see Nganu fight Francis Nganu, because he's similar size, same kind of statue, obviously a little bit different style. What do you mean? But he's got those sledgehammer fists, man. And Brock was the same damn way. And mm-hmm. like like Kyle said, it with those type of punchers, man, you don't have to land clean. You don't have to hit them. You just literally have to hit them anywhere. There could be any touch of anywhere, and that's all it'll take to knock somebody out. You know they train to know where to hit. So even though if he glances them right on the side of his head, there's enough of a a soft spot right here. Behind the ear, hit the equilibrium. Behind the ear, you got the the temple, and then you Mm -hmm. have where the jaw clinks. You can make those back molars go. The guy's going to go sleep real quick. It's fucked up you say that. It's really fucked up you say that because you're bringing back bad memories for me. So Corey actually was there. Uh, <laughs> Corey was actually there for it. Uh, in my defense, I fought a man that I definitely shouldn't have fought. I was supposed to fight at 125, and the guy that was supposed to fight didn't show up. So me being a young, tough, macho young kid, I'm like, fuck it. I hit hard. We'll fight him anyway. I fought a guy that was six foot tall, 145 pounds, and... That's just pounds is a lot. Right. And the sad part of it is, and I can say this with a straight face because Corey was there. Sad part of it is what people don't realize, people think it's these hard punches that do it. A hundred percent transparency. I can say with a straight face, that kid did not hit as hard as me because I only hit him a good, I would say in the first round, I hit him with three straight shots at the end of the first round and knocked him into the corner. And he's like, oh shit. After that, he never let me get close. He only hit me with one good punch in the four rounds that really put me down because he had me against the ropes the last minute and a half. Caught me right where your jaw connects. I went down. I got right back up. I'm like, oh, fuck. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was good. Like, wait a minute. Yep. (laughs) Um, Going back to those boxing matches I had in Iraq, um, I had one of them, uh, one of my boxing matches was was a guy off off our sniper team. Now, this guy was a trained boxer. I don't know what level it was, but he had legitimate training behind him. And he was a beast in the gym. Uh, We were maybe about the same weight, but I'm a short, stocky, dense piece of shit. This guy, he's got the length, he's got the girth, and he could probably walk on into uh, Calvin Klein and be an underwear model. (laughs) 
So we're on out there and he's dancing circles with me, just talking, talking with the fist, just bop, 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 just catching me with all these little ones. I ain't touching them at all. So about round five, I finally get one small little glancing blow on his chin, just a tiny little nick on his ass. He's up on his feet. He didn't land another punch the rest of the 10 rounds, but that's because he was keeping his distance because I couldn't reach him. Yeah. That's, See, that's where it got me. That, that was one killer. I was five three back then. <laughs> I'm only five seven now, but I was five three back then, dude. Let me tell you, trying to get in close to fight with somebody—that is a motherfucker. Okay, as I mentioned, it's not the only match that you've got going down. Going to be at Pele Pro Wrestling on Thursday. Tell nope. us a little bit about what else you've got going on in this weekend because you've set yourself out quite the fucking hit list next weekend. Uh, we're, we're, we're shooting ahead. I mean, I can tell you what I'm doing this weekend, but I can't really tell you what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> All I can tell you is I'm going to be in Louisville, Kentucky. If you know it's in Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, I do. He's. It looks like he might have a run with OVW. I want to see you and uh, Isaiah Broner lock it up. That's what I want to see. <laughs> so then I got Thursday at Pro, and I got that triple threat match to make that impact on it. And then, like I, like I said, I'm coming on in there, you know, trained and ready to go as I always am. So I'm just asking those two gentlemen, make sure you're ready to go. Then Friday, not confirmed, but I will be at Texoma or Texoma with my gear in the van, ready to go. Uh, if you see the posters, we got Tim Storm there. We have Will All Day. Um, I do think, believe Magnificent Malico was on it. I'm not looking at the poster in front of me right now, but uh, there's a, there's a couple of a who's who is going to be at that show. And then APW is also running that Saturday. Um, we'll be at that show as well. So will I. Oh, so look will I. There, look at there. And so will past guests of the show, Sam Adonis. Make sure you're in the building for that motherfucker if you are in Texas. Corey, we need to get you traveling with us so that you can be out here at one of these events with us. But Knockouts and Three Counts will be in the building for that one. Two of those, two of those shows, you're also going to see this very large, burly fella called Wild Man Husk. Wild Beast Husk. hearing about this guy, dude. I, dude, um, our buddy Mysterious Movado was just uh, took a picture with him here recently. Uh, I don't know much about the guy. He but... comes on. He, he's he's probably about a 360, 370 pound man in a loincloth, and he brings what looks like a cow femur to the ring. He said a cow femur. <laughs> okay. He's going to beat him up like a Flintstone. <laughs> he looks like he ate Fred Flintstone and is wearing them <laughs> draped around his. <laughs> My man's got a little bit hungry, bro, on the way to the ring. He had to skin a motherfucker real quick. That's what happened. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we mentioned I'm going to have to check this guy out for myself. Like I said, if you're in the Texas area, make sure you're at all of these shows that you hear us mention. If you're following us on social media, I will be plugging all of this on all of our social medias. All right. All the posters are up on my page now. Yep, I shared them all off of his social medias. If you're looking in the description, if you're watching this on YouTube, all of his social media will be in the description as well. Okay, so gun to your head. Favorite? We'll ask the first time. I mean, 
that that sounds like a story for a different day. I might. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I've had a gun to my face too. It's not pretty fun. No, <laughs> it's not a good feeling. Well, no, really not. Yeah, Corey, you might have remembered a few of those too. <laughs> it's not a good feeling. <laughs> my question being is, uh, with you know it, we know that you have your MMA and wrestling background all time. Favorite wrestler, favorite MMA fighter. Who is it? And why? Uh, favorite wrestler. Oh, this could be like a change depending on the day. Uh, Oh, let's take let's take generations. All right, Brett the Hitman Hart, Chris Benoit, and Karrion Cross. Those got to be the three that I got right there for professional. Oh, one more time, you said Benoit, Karrion Cross, and who else? Brett the Hitman Hart. Damn, that's a hell of a triple threat. Put him in a submission match, man. You got my fucking money. I'm sure it's been brought up. I'm sure it's yeah. been brought up a multitude of times, but it's real sad the, the way that Chris Benoit kind of tainted his legacy because even me as a as I got older and kind of got out of wrestling a little bit more and now that I'm back into it as I've gotten older, it but it just sucks, man, because I agree. He was somebody still to this day like, when I think of the old times that he just – his name stands out, it, and it's hard to – You still look at his ring stuff, and it's crisp. It's hard to detach the 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 man from the the material, you know. But it's it's just a rough situation. I'm sure it's been said millions of times, but it, well, it, I mean, it, you really got to take the name out of there and censor it. You can always replace it with Dynamite Kid because I mean, they're a spitting image of each other, dude. Damn near, damn near. Um, and Benoit a, held no bones about admitting that Dynamite Kid was a lot of who he patterned his shit off of. And there's an old, uh, there's an old, I think it was a New Japan Pro, or I know it was a Japan match, maybe New Japan Pro, I can't remember, uh, between Dynamite Kid and uh, the British Bulldog, David Boy Smith. Now we're talking about two guys who aren't, they're not tiny guys, but they were doing like a Rey Mysterio Juventud Guerrero style back and forth and it was hard hitting and it was just crisp 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 so again you know kind of like mysterio eddie guerrero halloween havoc 97 it's one of the best uh, matches of all time dude like going back and watching watching davy boy davy boy and uh, dynamite kid go that that's another thing that i do all right just because you brought it up you see this here (laughs) (laughs) that boy's that boy's all in there signed and everything you see that here there you go. There you go. Yeah, man. I Like I said, Corey, one of these days I'm going to get you to watch it because you might remember the match because, you know, that was right around our time. But I know you ain't the biggest wrestling guy, but if you can't appreciate Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero at Halloween, 90, oh. Halloween Havoc 97. See, all right. So I have this uh, terrible thing called a stoner memory. So I forget half of things that uh, go in. But... um. So I can't ramble well, up watch, dates and watch, watch it while like eating that. a bag of Doritos. You'll be good. Yeah. See. <laughs> all right. So that's the counteract, right? That's that's the kind of like the the speedball effect to get it right where so I down, need down, it. Right? And it, you, you do that time that you're gonna snack on Doritos. You'll be like, oh my god, that match. The, Bro, I'm tell Corey. I'm telling you, <laughs> but I do I do remember that. Like I said, I can't I can't remember dates and events and stuff like that that's where i give kyle all the props in the world he is the most you know 
able to rattle stuff off the top of his head when it comes to that well, stuff. If but, I uh, didn't know what the fuck I was doing, I would just be another motherfucker rambling my gums with a camera. All right. Hey, good point. Hey, don't make fun of me like that, Kyle. Okay. I, I, I take this very you serious. Okay. Those shoes, homie. You put yourself in, in here. I thought I was shooting the shots. <laughs> hey, that's kind of what happens when you grow up knowing the motherfucker since you was 11, man. It kind of happens that way. But enough with all the pleasantries because we know you're not bringing the pleasantries come Texas. So we're getting to the end of our time here. I got it. Before we get out of here, you got to answer the second half of that question. Who's your favorite fighter of all time? Favorite fighter of all time? Um, Shit, I can't tell the difference between them. It's got to be one of the Diaz brothers, Nick or Nate. Um, I can't really tell much the difference between them, but they go on out there and they'll just – High as a kite, by the way. Just snake around them, other guy, and torque the hell out of them. I love the Diaz brothers, dude, because they're so yep. slick. All right, yep. I'll get, since since we're going, my all time favorite, just because he's the one that really got me into MMA, and uh, since you've already named him, my all time favorite's got to be Chuck Liddell, just because he's the guy. He's the guy that got me into it. But I gotta say, he's another one. Fuck you, Rashad Evans. Even though we've interviewed your godson, and I'm a fan of yours, when I went for my 16th birthday, we went all the way to Atlanta to watch him and Chuck fight, and I'll never forget, me and my dad are in the row above, and there's a guy in front of us that wanted Rashad to win, and that whole first round, if you remember that fight, Chuck was giving him the hands the first round Mm -hmm. before he got hit. And I'm like, you watch it, here it comes, that overhand right spot to knock him the fuck out. Sure shit. Boom! I'm like, oh shit! And this guy just turns around and lets me have it, and I'm just like, shit! <laughs> shit I have to just take this one. I lost this one, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, you, you're not, he wasn't the only one rolling with the punches after that, huh? Yeah, I, shit! I was rolling with the punches and everything. I was just glad that we didn't bet any money. But if I was a betting man, I would be betting on the mercenary, Mr. Creed. If you've got any last words from any of your opponents coming up, whether that be OVW or in Texas or for any of our fans that are new to you, if you got any last words for the people, let them know. Well, I mean, I got to plug some merchandise, right? Absolutely. Uh, You can can find my stuff at uh, Pro Wrestling Tees backslash Garrison Creed. You also, I just opened up on a boot and heel. If you want to get a hoodie, you want to get a throw blanket, you know, uh, a small child that you want to get a mercenary onesie for, there you go. You go to boot and heel, that's on there. Um, just look that up, and then I'll have my name on the list. Um, you know, help support the cause, my cause. And uh, to anybody else, OVW, any other promotions I'm coming out for, if you're a new fan, for you guys on there, just listening to the podcast world, yeah. This soldier is going places. Watch me. I think that sums it up. Corey, you got anything else? Um, Apologize to all the regular uh, watchers for being uh, a little bit late. Work. uh, When duty calls at work. Kick off the show, bitch. I know. It is what it is, though. I raced home. I'm doing 80 down the highway with a high, with a headlight out, hoping I don't get pulled over just so I can make it to the show. But See, now that's dedication. See, that's just like us traveling down there to Texas. Uh, like Ryan. I said, make sure you stay tuned, man. We've got good stuff. Corey, we appreciate your, we appreciate your time and making it here, brother man, and not crashing with that fucking headlight, because hell, I do 80 and I'm not in a hurry. But, uh, tell me 
next time and in the in-between time make sure you smash that subscribe button so that you don't miss the vlog from our trip coming to texas next week hell you might see the mercenary in it and until now i'm in the in-between time thanks for checking out the first episode of 21 peace